What is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome to The Mitch Davis Show. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at MitchDavis underscore eight. Like and follow the Facebook and Instagram pages by simply typing in The Mitch Davis Show. And also head on over to the website at TheMitchDavisShow.com. Today is February 25th, Thursday. It is March Madness is right around the corner, folks. This is the most exciting time of the year for college basketball. And what better way to celebrate that time of year than an awesome interview with college basketball analyst for ESPN, former Duke Blue Devil, Jay Billis, will be joining me momentarily to talk all things college basketball. Very special thank you to Mr. Billis for coming on today's podcast. This is the second time back on the Mitch Davis Show and I tell you what, there is so much basketball information that he shares with you in his time on the Mitch Davis Show that if that doesn't get you fired up for March Madness, I don't know what will. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. Be sure you follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like and follow the Facebook pages at The Mitch Davis Show and Instagram as well. At this time, I would like to welcome Jay Billis to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I am joined now by ESPN college basketball analyst, former Duke Blue Devil. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Jay Billis. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Excited to talk with you. Let's go ahead and just jump right into this. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan. Is there anybody close to these three teams? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are lots of teams that are close. I think those teams have proven to be the best and the most consistent at a high level, but I think it would be foolish to think that, that you know, Florida State, Ohio State, Illinois, uh, some of these other teams out there couldn't beat uh, the teams that you mentioned. I mean, if, if we've learned anything uh, over the, the course of the last 40, 50 years in basketball, it's that uh, the NCAA tournament is uh, unpredictable. And even the best teams, you know, it, Maybe in a given year, two of the best teams are going to get through the Final Four, but not not the top four get through. It, it hardly ever happens. And it's I think the last time that all four number one seeds got through the Final Four was two thousand eight, and uh, and I don't think I don't think we should expect it. It may happen, but I don't think we should expect it. Is this the year that Gonzaga finally does? I think everybody's asking that question. Uh, it's it's as good an opportunity as they've had, but you know there are a lot of there are a lot of programs out there, Power Five uh, conferences that have never even snipped the the success Gonzaga has had. So I'm not sure that uh, you know in the last five years they've been I think to two sweet two Sweet Sixteens, two Elite Eights, and the national championship game. So you know it, it's not a question of whether they can win the national championship; it's just a question of of when they will. Uh, so I'm not as worried about that. I think they've got a great opportunity this year, but if they don't do it, um, they're going to be with uh, 354 other teams that don't do it. <laughs> Jumping over to the Big Ten. Big Ten is the best conference in basketball right now, arguably. Talk about the Big Ten. Who wins the Big Ten, and what do you expect to see out of these final two weeks? I don't know who wins the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan's the best team uh, because the, you, know, you don't know how many games they're going to play and how – I don't even know how the uh, conference is going to uh, allocate that. Like, you know, what are they going to do? You go by win percentage? Because if if Michigan plays three less games or four less games than, than the field, 
uh, how are they going to how are they going to handle that? I don't know. Uh, but Michigan's the best team that I know and uh, or believe I should say. Um, and but they, they, you know Ohio State is is excellent and. Michigan State's starting to play much better, more like the, the team we thought they'd be. Illinois is a Final Four contender. I was a Final Four contender. Uh, that's as deep of a league in, in quality play as you're going to find, even deeper. They've got more teams, but even deeper than the, than the Big 12. When you look at the Big 10, who are one or two of those teams that you mentioned that you say, hey, right now they are a Final Four team or an Elite Eight team? Two or three of those teams that you would say are locks for that? Well, nobody to lock for it, but uh, that, that have the best opportunity is uh, is Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Illinois, and Iowa. Th- those are the four best teams in the league. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to get beat by somebody. I mean, Gonzaga beat Iowa earlier this year. Gonzaga and Baylor were supposed to play, didn't play. So one of them, I'm almost positive, would have lost if they played. Uh, then we wouldn't be talking about two undefeated teams. But... Um, you know, look, you can be the best league in the country and not have a champion. You know, Michigan, or, uh, the Big Ten hadn't had a champion since 2000. And when Michigan State won it, uh, Tom Izzo won it. And, and they've only, there's only one coach in that league that's been to a Final Four, uh, and that's Tom Izzo. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a league of, of excellent coaches and, and excellent teams. Uh, but it's not a guarantee that they're, you know, a team from that league is going to win it. Heading down south a little bit, let's talk about the SEC because right now the SEC looks to be wide open. Last night you had Arkansas defeating Alabama. Now you've got Kentucky coming on hot. What do you expect to see out of the SEC? In what regard? What do you mean? Um, regarding who wins the SEC, who is the most likely to make a run in the tournament? Is Kentucky catching fire right now? Can they make the NCAA tournament? All these question marks that a lot of fans across the southeast are having right now. Well, I think Alabama's in the best position to win the league. They could have clinched it last night if they'd beaten Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is uh, a good team. They're, they're fun to watch. Moses Moody's really good. Uh, it's not a powerful league this year relative to what it has been in the past. Part of that is because Kentucky's nowhere near as good. Um, I don't think Kentucky makes the tournament absent winning the SEC tournament, uh, although uh, its recent win against Tennessee was, was impressive. Um, you know, Tennessee has been uh, consistent defensively, not consistent on the offensive end. So they don't score uh, easily in every game. Some games they kind of labor to score, but you know, I think you, you saw a little bit of the, the capabilities of Tennessee when they beat the hell out of Kansas uh, recently. You know, so the SEC's gotten good teams, um, and the, but the bottom of the league in the middle is not as competitive, frankly. And, and not having Kentucky be as good, um, it certainly affects the, the perception of the league. Uh, but Alabama is very good. I mean, they, they're a second weekend team unless they shoot it really poorly in a, a particular game and get beat. Are you buying stocks into a team like Ole Miss and Kermit Davis right now? For what? For making the NCAA tournament, possibly making a run at the NCAA tournament. Are you buying stocks in Kermit Davis' team? Well, I'm fine talking Kermit. I mean, I think he's an outstanding coach, and he, he's going to do a great job. I thought Andy Kennedy did a great job at Ole Miss, but but Kermit's going to do a great. He's doing a great job and continue to do that. Um, I don't I don't know that his team is going to going to make the tournament this year. I think that's uh, somewhat unlikely, but you never know. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to hard to determine what the committee's going to do because you don't have your standard data 
that's easily comparable from one conference, one team to the next. Everybody's uh, a little bit different in that regard. I mean, I was looking at, at St. Bonaventure the other day, and in fact, they've only played, you know, 15, 15 or 16 games. And uh, other teams have won 20, you know, already. And uh, so only playing a, you know, when you're looking at a team that's 12 and five, you're, it's hard to, it's hard to differentiate uh, some of their accomplishments. And so you're necessarily going to have to, you know, people don't like to hear the eye test, but you're going to have to use some judgment, uh, some basketball judgment in making these decisions. So um, am I buying stock? Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> when, when you look at teams like Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, the blue bloods of college basketball, are we going to have a tournament without all three of those? Or is one team going to make it? Well, I think Duke is, is trending toward making it. And uh, I think if they have, you know, three, four quad one wins by the end of the year, uh, it'll give them a good opportunity to get in there. And, uh, look, I, I don't think decisions are going to be made uh, based upon reputation and television and all that stuff. But uh, uh, it's hard to deny that's not going to be in the back of uh, the committee's mind. I think it would be. Uh, do I? Th- I don't think Kentucky. I just mentioned what I don't think Kentucky's going to make. But I, I don't think their resume is going to is going to warrant it. I, I don't think you could lose double, you know, 13, 14 games uh, or whatever it is, and uh, and get in. I just don't think that's going to happen. But you know, they've been wrong on things before. Um, North Carolina's probably going to make it in, uh, and you know, the loss to Marquette doesn't help. Uh, they've been inconsistent, uh, but but are still still capable. And Michigan State still got a, a ways to go. Uh, Kansas will make it, but they're not. Their Kansas isn't as good as they've been in years past. I mean, the truth is that their their players, some of the teams are young and uh, in certain spots, and their players are going to get better over time. Uh, they've gotten better to this point in the season. They'll continue to get better, but they don't have the the super talent that they've had in years past, and that's one of the big reasons why uh, they're they sort of underperformed. You made a comment a couple days ago on a broadcast or on College Game Day about West Virginia being a tough team to handle. Talk about the Mountaineers and what Bob Huggins has this year. They can make shots. They're not as good defensively as they've been. They don't force as many turnovers. Uh, They're not as uh, uh, difficult to deal with at the rim or on the glass, although they're very good in in some of those areas. Uh, But I think what's what's different about them this year is the ease with which they score. Uh, They... uh, uh, whether it's Deuce McBride or Sean McNeil or Taz Sherman, they can make shots. And Derek Culver inside the left, he's a, a handful. And, uh, you know, Oscar Sheebway, if he had stayed, you know, he transferred to Kentucky. If he had stayed, I think they'd be better. Uh, but he didn't, and they still performed at a, at a high level. They've kind of changed the way they play. They're not as much interior-oriented. Uh, they're more perimeter-oriented. Uh, but their ability to make shots, I think, is the, the real impressive thing. And their comeback against Texas, I think that was pretty evident. When jumping over to Memphis real quick, because a lot of people are talking about Penny Hardaway and what he's been able to do the last eight to nine games. Talk about Penny Hardaway and what grade would you give him so far in his first two, three seasons at the University of Memphis? What is he? Uh, let, let's let's just recruiting wise, and now the last seven eight games, he's really starting to his teams are starting to look better. Talk about the grade, and and do you expect him to build off of this recent success and make an NCAA tournament maybe next year, or is this kind of a experiment gone bad for Memphis? Well, I don't grade coaches, so I don't I don't know even how to approach that. But 
you can't. I, I don't think it's it's useful to determine, uh, you know, a coaching hire a, a midway through the second or third year. Uh, it's still pretty early in that. I know we live in a right now society, and I get that. And I don't have a problem with that, but that's that's for the Memphis administration to deal with, not for me. Uh, I've seen Penny Hardaway in practice. Uh, I, I'm very impressed with what he does. And, and obviously his, his resume as a, a, a player and a basketball man are, are impeccable. Uh, so I've been nothing but impressed. And uh, so I, I really have no, you know, no idea how to answer that question beyond that. Now jumping over to the NIL name, image, and likeness uh, bill right now, where do we stand with that and where do you see the future of that? Where do we stand? You've got different states that have passed laws and, uh, and there, there are bills before state legislators, uh, legislatures around the country that are pending. There are multiple bills in uh, the United States Congress that are pending. Uh, don't know how any of that's going to shake out. There's a, a very important case before the Supreme Court that's up for oral argument in, uh, in March called the Alston case that has uh, some very significant implications on uh, the NCAA's method of doing business and, and the principle of amateurism. Uh, I don't, uh, basketball is hard enough to predict uh, than try to wade into predicting what the United States Supreme Court is going to rule. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but it seems like there's a significant movement outside of the NCAA to force the NCAA to do this, you know, to provide and allow athletes the same economic rights as literally everyone else. And there's no other person in college sports or outside of it that is restricted in what they can earn or accept in the free market anyway. The only one is a, is a college athlete. And uh, I happen to believe that's wrong. And, uh, and it sounds like a lot of other people do too, to the point of laws being passed and, and, uh, and laws being uh, uh, put up uh, for, for passage. Last well, time I talked so with you, the NCAA is not doing it. You know, they're not they're not budging. So we'll, we'll see. Last time I talked with you was uh, this time last year, and you know, COVID wasn't. We didn't really know much about COVID. We didn't really hear much about COVID. But now that COVID has hit, and we're approaching that one year anniversary of the NCAA tournament being canceled, I gotta ask you, what is the current state of the college basketball world? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the fact that, you know, clearly college basketball and college football and NFL, the NBA, all the, all the major professional sports, and I include, you know, college football, college basketball in there, uh, they're, they're just fine and they're going to keep going forward no matter what. I mean, the fact that, that given all our rhetoric about values and all this other stuff and how this isn't pro sports, um, we've pushed it. We've pushed it through like pro sports, and uh, and we're going to get to the finish. We got to the finish line in football and got to a college football playoff national championship game. We're going to do the same thing with the NCAA tournament, and uh, and the powers that be are going to rake in a billion dollars uh, and, and more if you count you know the regular season, the conference deals. Um, this is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and, and it's not going to stop. And uh, so that that's pretty clear. Uh, and so on one hand, you know, you're like, okay, that's a good thing. You know, we're, we're, we're Americans and we're going to press through and all that stuff. On the other hand, we've said that this is different, that college sports is different. And, uh, and the truth is it's not. And that's what's been established beyond a reasonable doubt is that college sports is every bit like the NFL and the NBA. And all these conferences, frankly, you know, the, uh, the SEC is its own, it's its own NBA and, and NFL. 
know, same thing with the Big Ten and the ACC. Their own, their own NBAs and their own uh, uh, NFLs. Last question I have for you. You are the epitome of the best, one of the best college basketball analysts in the country. You are a Duke basketball legend. I've got to ask you this question. As a young journalist, as you know, other college basketball players that want to be like you, what advice would you give them or give myself get, trying to get into the sports media industry and finding our own voice to tell the stories of these student athletes? Well, that's nice of you to say all that stuff. None of it's true. Uh, <laughs> but I, what, I would, what I would say in Denver is, uh, is keep plugging and prepare yourself as a professional uh, you know, with your preparation and your, your knowledge so that you're an expert in your field. And that in the, requires technical proficiency, but it also requires an understanding of the subject. And so if your subject is the game, you know, the game of basketball, uh, I think that extends to X's and O's. It extends to policy and it extends to getting to know uh, not only the history of, of the participants, but uh, getting to know the participants themselves, uh, players, coaches, administrators and the like. Um, so it's just like anything else. You know, you prepare, you perform, and uh, and you evaluate your preparation, your performance uh, constantly, so that you're you're always striving to get better. I, I don't think it's you know none of this is rocket science, and uh, there are more opportunities out there than ever, and uh, and so you have to chase after them, and uh, we we all fall down in different different aspects of it. So you pick yourself up dust yourself off and, and keep plugging. So that, that, that's the only thing I can I can say. He is Jay Billis, ESPN college basketball analyst and a Duke Blue Devil legend. Mr. Billis, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. No, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You have been listening to the Mitch Davis Show. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Be sure you follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. And a very special thank you to Jay Billis, ESPN college basketball analyst and former Duke Blue Devil for coming on the podcast today to talk all things college basketball. And until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy the awesome college basketball that is set to begin here just momentarily.